Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is still Friday, March 10th, 2023. Welcome to part two. Let's get right into it with developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Russian propagandist Ridovka called the ongoing attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure a failure and said that Ukraine has adapted, writing, quote, Today's attack was the most powerful in recent times. Almost all regions of Ukraine were hit. The real results do not reach the success of November. The Ukrainian energy system has adapted. They use batteries and generators, and brief outages do little to no harm. Disabling military and civilian installations requires blackouts lasting weeks, not hours. Despite all the local successes, Country 404, that's Ukraine, still has the internet, trains run, and military factories work. What goals do we want to achieve? End quote. Quick sidebar. Country 404 is a derisive term that comes from the Internet Error 404 page not found and implies that Ukraine is not a real country. Ukrainian officials responded to accusations by Transnistrian officials that the Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, was planning assassinations and terrorist attacks, saying, quote, any statements by the representatives of the so-called Ministry of State Security of the fake Transnistrian People's Republic regarding the participation of the SBU in the preparation of the terrorist attack should be considered exclusively as a provocation orchestrated by the Kremlin. Lies and provocations are one of the weapons actively used by the Russian Federation. But today, the whole world sees the true face of the aggressor country and does not believe the statements of Russia or its satellites. End quote. Quick assessment. Our review didn't find many Russian mill bloggers or influential social media accounts repeating the accusations. Poland began to build anti-tank fortifications along its border with Belarus, matching the structures erected on the border of the Russian enclave Kaliningrad in February. Minister of Defense of Poland, Mariusz Blaszczuk, said, quote, This is part of the protection and deterrence strategy. End quote. Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, praised Ukraine's progress with anti corruption measures, including appointing the head of the National Anti Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, or NABU. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said, quote, this is important for our further progress with European integration before the start of negotiations on Ukraine's membership in the European Union. End quote. Just hours after Russia's missile strikes, Slovakia and Poland agreed in principle to transfer MiG 29 fighter aircraft to Ukraine. The Minister of Defense of Slovakia, Jaroslav Naj, said their nation is ready to transfer 13 units, but Parliament must first approve it. We had previously reported that the transfer would require an amendment to the Slovakian constitution, which currently prevents the transfer. Theoretically, up to 52 aircraft, including two-seat military trainer versions of the MiG-29, could be transferred. The Slovakian and Polish fighter planes are in an airworthy state, 
with the Slovakian fleet retired on August 27, 2022, and the Polish aircraft still in use. The conversation to provide Ukraine with Polish MiG-29 aircraft has been ongoing for a year, with repeated stumbles. The European Union will allocate an additional €2 billion Euros for the European Peace Fund, which finances the purchase of weapons for the armed forces. Sweden's representative to the EU, Lars Danielsson, said, quote, This decision is a clear signal of the EU's unwavering commitment to military support for Ukraine. End quote. According to the proposal of the High Representative of the EU, Josep Borrell, 1 billion euros will be allocated for the supply of ammunition to the armed forces from the existing stocks. They plan to purchase 155mm and 152mm artillery shells with additional funds. The EU announced that the training of 11,000 Ukrainian troops, that's the equivalent of three brigades, to NATO standards would be completed by the end of March. The EU also plans to train another 30,000 Ukrainian soldiers through the rest of 2023. Russian mill bloggers report that Ukraine is receiving 15 technicals, those are modified pickup trucks, with twin coaxial 14.5mm machine guns to shoot down kamikaze drones by the end of March, and the Netherlands is funding the construction of 150 more. In Poland, the 1st Ukrainian Battalion had completed training in operating and maintaining the Leopard 2A4 main battle tank, or MBT. German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius said 18 German and 3 Portuguese Leopard 2 tanks would be sent to Kyiv by the end of March. That would increase the number of Leopard 2 tanks in Ukraine to 35, factoring in the 14 MBTs Poland has already transferred. This is enough armor to support three companies, which is equal to one battalion. Germany also announced the transfer of 13 more Bieber armored bridge layers. Quick sidebar, Bieber refers to the German word for beaver, not the Canadian pop singer. To be frank, I don't think he's very good at laying bridges. Speaking of not being very good at things... Let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization. The self-declared acting leader of the DNR, Denis Pushilin, signed a decree creating military commanders in Mariupol and the district entered into the armed forces of the Russian Federation First Army Corps. In addition, the decree orders the registration with the commissariat of all boys born in 2006. We reported on March 4th about Mobics from Mordovia and Mariel that arrived in the LNR on January 22, 2023, and appealed to President Putin to stop the transfer of their forces to the LNR. The surviving members made a follow-up video, reporting that only eight survivors were remaining from a platoon of 38. The wife of one of the men said the unit was being sent to the front, quote, in groups of eight to ten, end quote. After a March 1st attack, only three of the eight men returned, dragging a dead comrade. Another four soldiers who were killed remain on the battlefield. In occupied Donetsk, 70% of positions for city bus drivers are unfilled because so many people have been mobilized. Complaints of ammunition shortages are spreading across Russian units, Russian mill blogger Yuri Mezinov made a video saying, quote, 
In one way or another, the situation is the same on all fronts. I just don't understand what's going on. But whatever the reason is, as for me, it is sabotage. End quote. Assessment here. Yesterday's missile attack cost the Russian people between $438 and $581 million just in munitions. And it'll take 30 to 45 days for the Russian defense industry to replenish. Had those 81 missiles and 8 drones been used against Ukrainian defensive positions, logistics hubs, and GLOC supporting Bakhmut, the situation today may be very different. The growing complaints about ammunition shortages are self-inflicted by the Russian Ministry of Defense and extend beyond logistical issues. Countless tens of thousands of weapons have been used purposefully against Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure that could have been used against valid military targets. These are obviously not the actions of liberators, which is rhetoric the Kremlin dropped months ago. These are the actions of a nation on a genocidal mission. The 155th Naval Infantry Brigade was withdrawn from Bukhidar and replaced with the 136th Separate Motorized Rifle Brigade, made up mostly of Mobics. They made an appeal for ammunition and blamed PMC Wagner and Yevgeny Prigozhin for consuming available resources. The unit attacked Bukhidar yesterday, as noted in Part 1, and as they predicted, suffered heavy losses due to insufficient armor and artillery support. For those doubting the losses suffered by the 155th, a video from a recent widow showed the military cemetery in Vladivostok filled with fresh graves from unit members killed in late January and early February. Not content with one war in Ukraine and military engagements in Syria and six African nations, Russian propagandist Margarita Simonian wrote on her Telegram channel that Russia would soon be at war in two more. The head of the Russian state media agency RT, formerly Russia Today, suggested that Russia needed to attack Moldova and Georgia because things are going so well in Ukraine. She feels a compelling need to add to the list of more successful three-day special military operations. The war of words between the Kremlin and PMC Wagner has reached a critical point. One of Prigozhin's news channels, which is just a front for disinformation operations, asked, quote, The head of the ground forces of the armed forces of Ukraine said that PMC Wagner is the driving force of the Russian troops, and the task of the armed forces of Ukraine is to grind it down on Bakhmut before the next counteroffensive. Do you agree with his opinion? Is PMC Wagner really the main combat-ready unit of the Russian troops today? End quote. Prigozhin, escalating his war with the Kremlin, wrote a reply stating, quote, Yes, the fighters and commanders who fight in the Wagner PMC are the most combat-ready, but this does not mean that in other military units the commanders are dumber and the fighters less brave. This is due to the fact that in PMC Wagner, they do not kill the initiative of the commander, do not humiliate the bravery of the fighter. And in this case, they are able to crush the enemy and carry out the most outstanding victories. This is the difference between PMC Wagner and other military units. We treat every fighter and every commander as an individual, as a person who is of great value to the team. 
Of course, if such a structure ceases to exist, it is not just bad, it is a collapse. It is a catastrophe. It is a direct path to total shameful defeat. End quote. Okay, sidebar, this is some toxic corporate America human resources talking points nonsense. When PMC Wagner executes those who wash out of training, shoots troops who retreat against orders, and video records the sledgehammer execution of a former POW, is that really treating every fighter and every commander as an individual and a person who is of great value to the team? Really? The war over ammunition also escalated, with Prigozhin reporting he and his liaisons have been completely cut off from the Kremlin, Putin, and the Russian Ministry of Defense. In a recorded statement, Prigozhin said, quote, In order for me to stop asking for ammunition, they turned off all special telephones in all offices in all divisions. Another important point, they blocked all passes to all departments that should make decisions. End quote. Thomas Grove of the Wall Street Journal asked Prigozhin via email, quote, Are you aware of a coordinated attempt by Kremlin officials to limit your influence? Do you have enemies in the ranks of the Russian government? End quote. In a public response, the head of PMC Wagner wrote, quote, I simply cannot answer, for ethical and wartime reasons. End quote. Smelling the blood in the water, our favorite FSB Colonel Girkin went after the increasingly embattled PMC leader hard, saying, quote, Some people tend to make a circus out of everything, and to act in this bloody circus as a black clown, which no one laughs at, and it's not at all funny but rather scary as he grimaces, but it fascinates many. So Prigozhin created his own personal black circus and realizes his ambitions grimacing in the arena against the backdrop of skulls, which are very reminiscent of the emblem of the Totenkopf SS division of Nazi Germany, and other accessories of his own gloomy cult of death. At the moment, liquidating the only army corps capable of successfully advancing would really be another step towards defeat in the war, but not at all fatal, even in the current conditions it would be fatal for the political ambitions of the black clown Prigozhin. End quote. Quick sidebar. The term black clown is a reference to a scary clown, like Pennywise from the Stephen King novels, and is not a racially tinged reference. While this might seem obvious to many readers and listeners, given Girkin's overt racism, we believed it was necessary to clarify. All is going to plan. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is no graphic detail in today's report, but if you are sensitive to descriptions of human rights abuses, please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. A year ago yesterday, on March 9, 2022, the Russian Air Force bombed Maternity Hospital No. 3 in Mariupol. The attack killed four, wounded 16, and contributed to at least one stillbirth. Russia continues to blame Ukraine for the attack. 
President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, condemned Russia's missile attack yesterday, saying, quote, Russia's deliberate targeting of the civilian population and the energy network is a war crime. This strengthens our joint determination to continue promoting reforms in Ukraine on their behalf. End quote. Dmitry Kuleba, foreign minister of Ukraine, wrote, quote, Russia launched a massive missile and drone attack on Ukraine overnight, leading to loss of lives and damaging civilian infrastructure. No military objective, just Russian barbarism. End quote. In Velika Vishelnitsya, Lviv, a small injured dog refused to leave the debris of its destroyed home after a Russian missile struck the neighborhood, killing its owners. The photo circulating on social and traditional media shows the dog curled up on a pair of coverlets or duvets, its muzzle pressed firmly into one of the blankets. Did the PMC Wagner channel Grey Zone go woke on March 8th? Addressing the execution of POWs by Russian troops, the Russian-aligned mill blogger wrote, quote, What precedes these very war crimes is not maniacal units, as well as their commanders, but state propaganda. If we hear calls from all the talking heads for strikes on cities, on civilian life support facilities, about nuclear ashes, and also that the inhabitants of some neighboring country are somehow not like that, that they, Ukrainians, need to be reflashed with calibrations, then you should not be surprised at the cruelty at the front from ordinary soldiers. End quote. While PMC Wagner is essentially saying it's the media's fault, they continued with their real motivation. Quote, If our state Duma adopted in the first reading a decree exempting from criminal liability for crimes in the LNR, DNR, Kherson, and Zaporizhia, but with an interesting caveat, if the act was aimed at protecting the interests of the Russian Federation. So we, soldiers and mercenaries who commit war crimes, sit smeared with jam, hiding a jar behind our backs, but at the same time we stubbornly tried to prove to our mother that we did not eat it. End quote. Some assessment. With a lot to unpack in that long statement, there is more than a nugget of truth that the Russian population has been fed a steady diet of propaganda for 20 years. History has repeatedly shown that using the tactics perfected by Josef Goebbels in World War II, ordinary people can be led to do horrific acts, willingly, gladly, and unquestionably. However, this does not absolve the perpetrators of those crimes. I was just following orders is not a defense in The Hague if those orders were immoral or illegal. The author of Grey Zone misses the point in yet another example of a Russian mill blogger being so close to understanding the real problem. The language in the Martial Law Decree of September 2022 that states, quote, if the act was aimed at protecting the interests of the Russian Federation, end quote, provides enough vagary to cause pause on who decides what protects the interests of the Russian Federation. Six months ago, Prigozhin could do no wrong. Today, Prigozhin has higher odds of taking a short walk out of a tall office building than Girkin. Russian mill blogger Vladlin Tatarsky presented a more enlightened point of view about the execution of POWs that goes beyond don't get caught 
and the media made me do it. Tatarsky wrote, quote, Regarding the execution of prisoners, I will say this. I really want to kill anyone dressed in the uniform of the Ukrainian army. But I know from life experience that if you kill a person in a defenseless state, karma will kick you. Definitely f*** you up 100%, because doing this is not right. End quote. In better news, the Kherson raccoon being held as a furry POW made another appearance, and we are happy to report the trash panda was doing everything possible to escape from its handler, who now has to wear thick gloves. And if they had any experience with wild animals at all, they would have been wearing thick gloves in the first place. On another light note, we maintain that the scariest force on the planet is an angry Slavic, Ukrainian, or Russian babusia. In a video clip, a Ukrainian babusia from Kherson expresses her opinion of the remains of a Russian grad rocket cluster munition cassette in what appears to be her yard. Standing right next to the ordnance, she scolds, quote, Did you bastards think you would beat us? Forget it. Look at your stupid rocket. End quote. In geopolitical news, the Georgian parliament withdrew the repressive laws that would declare any non-governmental organization, or NGO, or media source that got more than 20% of its funding outside of Georgia, a foreign agent. Citizens were unimpressed, with protests expanding, although there were fewer clashes with police. Protesters don't believe the Georgia Dream political party will keep its word to table the measure permanently. Protesters are also demanding the release of 133 people in custody. Prime Minister of Hungary Viktor Orban said that Europe and his nation must prepare for a future with Russia playing a smaller role. At an economic forum in Budapest, Orban said, quote, I understand the need to restore Russian-European relations after the war, but this is far from realistic. That is why Hungary's foreign and economic policy should seriously think about what kind of relations we can establish and maintain with Russia in the next 10 to 15 years. End quote. United States Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, the third person in the line of succession in the United States government, rejected Ukrainian President Zelensky's invitation for him to visit Kyiv amid growing concerns the GOP leader will drive the United States to default over continued aid to Ukraine. Zelensky had invited the congressperson to see firsthand where United States tax dollars were going. In an interview with the United States network CNN, McCarthy said, quote, Let's be very clear about what I said. No blank checks, okay? So from that perspective, I don't have to go to Ukraine to understand whether there's a blank check or not. I will continue to get my briefings and others, but I don't have to go to Ukraine or Kyiv to see it. And my point has always been, I won't provide a blank check for anything. End quote. In China, Xi Jinping was unanimously re-elected as president and chairman of the Central Military Council for the third consecutive time. He is the first Chinese leader in the modern era to be elected to a third term, after vowing earlier he wouldn't seek one. In economic news, the largest crypto exchange, 
has banned Russians from buying and selling dollars and euros. A representative of the exchange explained that the ban is in response to the 10th round of EU sanctions, saying, quote, the Russians use the site to transfer money abroad, end quote. Residents of Russia and any individuals located in Russian territory will not be able to buy and sell dollars and euros. In addition, the exchange banned EU citizens from buying and selling rubles. In a surprise move, Turkey closed its border to the transit of more than 10,000 sanctioned items from the EU to Russia. On March 8th, the ability for shippers to process the transit of goods on the sanctions list in the customs systems of Turkey, where the destination was Russia, was suspended. Valeria Savinkova, the commercial director of TransAsia Logistics, said the list included, quote, electronics, spare parts, equipment, a lot of chemicals, and consumer goods costing more than 300 euros each, end quote. The ban impacts over $3 billion worth of cargo, but does not extend to products made in Turkey. Turkey said it's having negotiations with the United Nations, Ukraine, and Russia to extend the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The current framework is set to expire on March 18, 2023. The ruble held an exchange rate of 76 for one U.S. dollar. West Texas Intermediate crude slid to $76 a barrel, and Brent dropped to $82. Russian Ural's crude fell to an official price of $60 a barrel. United States wholesale Arbob gasoline also declined, with the price on the spot market dropping to $2.62 a gallon, or $0.69 a liter. Dutch TTF natural gas futures remain stable and in a narrow trading range, with April and May contracts climbing to €47 per megawatt hour. Chicago SRW wheat futures declined, trading at $6.68 a bushel for May 2023 delivery, the lowest price since January 2021 when COVID restrictions battered world markets. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.